I've entitled this message, Faith That Does Not Save. And really, if we can understand something about this faith that does not save, we'll understand the faith that does save. That is what is important. Verse 23 Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Now, these people... Had a kind of faith, didn't they? Scripture says when they looked upon these miracles, they couldn't deny what they saw. They had the same type of faith as Nicodemus. Look in chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Nicodemus observed these miracles, and he said, only God could do this. This man must be sent by God. We know. You're a teacher sent from God. But did you know that no one has ever had saving faith by what they saw? Never happened. Never will happen. No one has ever savingly believed by seeing a miracle. Paul said... We walk by faith and not by sight. Don't let that get by you as the Lord enables you. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith does not come from seeing. Now, what if the Lord enabled me to stand up before you and snap my fingers and all of a sudden food would appear, brought into the universe that was not there before? What if I was enabled to heal people? I mean, you could be dying of cancer and I'd pray for you and you'd just be perfectly whole. There wouldn't be any medicine you'd need to take. There wouldn't be any gradual process of healing. You'd be healed. What if I could... Raise the dead. What if I could control the weather? You would be impressed if you saw those things. You would be impressed. But do you know that would not create faith in any measure to any degree? You would have the same kind of faith these people had. A faith that does not Save. 
Now, look what it says about these people who believed when they saw the miracles. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Now, that word commit is the same word translated believed in verse 23. Exact same word. What that says is they believed in him, but he didn't believe in them. He would not entrust himself to them. He would not commit himself to them. He did not believe in them. Because he knew all men. He needed not that any should testify of man. He didn't need any information. He didn't need anybody telling him about anyone or anything. Scripture says he knew what was in man. The Lord inspired Paul to say this with regard to man. Nay, but O man, who are you to reply against God? Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judgest, for you that judgest condemn yourself because that you that judge do the same things. He knew what was in man. He was the one who saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He knew what was in man. Now these men believed, but they did not have saving faith. They did not have the faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Now what I've done in this passage of scripture, there are seven or eight passages in the New Testament where people were said to believe, but they didn't have saving faith. And I want us to look at those, and when we look at these, we can find out what saving faith really is. And that gets my attention. I want to know what saving faith really is. Now, turn a few pages over to John chapter 8. Verse 30. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Now there we have it. These people believed. But by the end of this chapter, these same people will be picking up stones to stone him. Now what does he say to these people? Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue. In my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Not in word or name, but in truth. It is only those who continue in his word that are disciples indeed. Now, these people didn't continue. As a matter of fact, they picked up stones to throw at him. They were going to stone him to death. Obviously, they didn't have saving faith. But 
Saving faith continues. We are made partakers of Christ. Listen to this scripture. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence. What's the beginning of your confidence? It's pretty easy to answer, isn't it? The beginning of your confidence is the only thing you have that could recommend you to God as Christ himself. What he did. You have nothing else. That's the beginning of your confidence. Now that beginning is to be held steadfast to the end. I think of that scripture with regard to the believer in Colossians 1.22 that he'll present every believer holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Now, think about that. In God's sight, and God sees things as they are. Me and you don't. He does. In God's sight, every believer is holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved from the hope of the gospel. Now, a faith that does not continue is not saving faith. It was said of the stony ground hearers in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, who for a while believed. Might be five years, might be five days, might be 50 years. But if you don't continue, it's not saving faith. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, and that's not simply talking about going back to the world. Somebody gets religion and it doesn't last and they go back to being a worldling. That's a bad thing, but that's not what that's talking about. The just shall live by faith only, looking to Christ only. Can't say that with enough emphasis. Looking to Christ only. Nowhere else. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. But if any man draw back from that, God says, my soul shall have no pleasure in them. Real faith continues to look to Christ alone. In John chapter 12, verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. This would cost them. Here's what was behind all this. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They believed. Says they did. But they wouldn't confess him. It wasn't worth that. For this reason. 
They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. In faith it does not save. There's always something that is loved more. In John chapter 5, verse 44, the Lord said, How can you believe that receive honor one from another and seek not that honor that cometh from God only? Faith that is not saving faith. There's a form of belief. In that faith, there's always something that it loves more. James put it this way. And I think this, this helped me so much. You believe there's one God, you do well. The devils believe. They believe that just as they're sure of it. And tremble. But here's the difference. They have no love for that one they tremble at. They don't love his person. They don't love his attributes. They don't love his way of saving they're scared of him. They think of being tormented in hell and they know something about that. They've, been kept, they've come from the deep. They know something of the power of his wrath. They're scared of him. They tremble. Oh, they believe in one God. Oh, it's, a, it's real. They believe. But there is no love to him. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. I think of those people who of it said they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Oh, they could see the logic of the truth, and they would even say they believed it, but they received not the love of the truth. If you need to be saved by what the truth declares, you love the truth. Not these fellows. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Verse 8, there was great joy in that city at Philip's preaching. You know, I love that verse of Scripture. Just think about that. Philip came preaching the gospel and Many people were saved by the grace of God. And can you imagine in a city like this? I, I love thinking about this. There was great joy in that city. Well, I pray that happens in Lexington, Kentucky, don't you? That there would be great joy in this city over the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery. And bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. He had them impressed. And to him they had regard, because of a long time he bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, Preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. I think that word also is almost like a disclaimer. Simon believed also. He didn't believe, he believed also. 
And we come as we go on reading in this passage of Scripture to see what kind of faith this man had. He believed, says he believed, but he believed also. Now look in verse 18. This is the same Simon who believed and was baptized. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, this thought that the gift of God could be bought. If perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Now, Simon demonstrates two things about his faith. One, and these two things go, go together. One, he had a very low, debauched view of God that he thought God could be bought. I'll give you this money to, to get this gift. What kind of God do you think he is? You brought him down to human level. That's the only thing you understand. His view of God was completely debauched. What kind of God could accept something that I give him anyway? He had a completely debauched view of God and a completely debauched view of himself. You can talk all you want about believing, but if you think God can be bought by your works or your money or anything you do, you do not have saving faith. He believed. A saving faith believes the gift of God can't be bought. It can only be freely given for Christ's sake. Everybody that believes, they understand that. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, that's a pretty good resume, isn't it? Pretty good resume. And have not charity, I am nothing. There's nothing to my faith. I might have the faith that removes mountains. Miracle working faith. But that doesn't make it saving faith. If I have not charity. Now, faith in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision uh, avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by 
love. Now listen to this statement. This is very important. Faith alone is never alone. It always has love. Always. Faith without love is not saving faith. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, by your love, one to another. Now, is that minimizing the importance of correct doctrine? Of course not. But yet I love the way the Lord uses this. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, by your love, one to another. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. A faith that's not founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is vain, unsaving faith. Now, what do I mean by that? A faith grounded in the resurrection of Christ finds rest and satisfaction only in what God finds rest and satisfaction in. When God raised Christ from the dead, when God the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, when Christ raised himself from the dead, you know what that meant? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were completely satisfied with what Christ did. The only thing that I find any satisfaction in, any assurance in, any rest in, is that empty tomb. Everything God requires of me, I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The faith that does not find all of its assurance in the resurrection of Christ from the dead is not Saving faith. Well, saving faith is the opposite of that, isn't it? Turn to 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 3. Let's start in verse 2. Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Now, what do you think of that? Paul said, I'm not going to preach anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've made this my determination. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I was conscious of my own weakness. I was afraid of misrepresenting God. Caused trembling. And I tell you what, any time I preach, if there's not weakness and fear and much trembling, I don't have any business preaching. Paul felt that way. If you can preach without weakness and fear and much trembling, don't do it. Now look what he says. Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, plausible arguments to talk you into something, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
Now, what that means is I preached the gospel and I simply waited on God the Holy Spirit to apply it. I didn't try to manipulate you. I didn't try to get you to do anything. I, I waited on God the Holy Spirit to apply his power to that. Verse 5, here's why. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. I don't want a faith that stands in the wisdom of men, but in the omnipotence of God. Now here's saving faith. Faith that is produced by the omnipotence of God. The same omnipotence that created the universe, the same omnipotence that raised Christ from the dead, the same omnipotence that gives life to a dead sinner, that faith is the product of God's omnipotence. Not me being talked into something by the wisdom of men. Not by me making some kind of decision, well, I'm going to believe. That kind of faith is not saving faith. The only faith that's saving faith is that which is created by the omnipotence of God. I won't ask you to turn to these, but in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we read of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, we read of unfeigned faith. And in 2 Timothy 1, 5, we read of faith unfeigned. Now, unfeigned faith. Faith unfeigned. You can put this unfeigned. <laughs> unfeigned. Uh, Fain is the word hypocrite. It's where we get the word acting from. Now, what is unfeigned faith? It's not just me saying what I know I'm supposed to say. It's not me simply saying that Christ is all I have, that I look to him only. It's me really believing that. And I can't be moved from that. That's, I cannot, that's all, I, at all times, I really believe that. I'm not just saying it because I know it's the right word to say. I'm not acting it out. Unfeigned. You really believe. When God looks in your heart, he sees someone who really knows that the only hope they have is that Christ died for them, lived for them, put away for their sins, and represents them. Everything is right there. Unfeigned faith. And then in James chapter 2, verse 1, we read of a, speaks of faith with the respect of persons. It says in James 2, 1, Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now, the only way we can really understand this thing of respect of persons is God having no respect of persons when he poured his wrath upon his son. There was no special leniency, no turning his head for his son's sake. No, isn't that awesome and glorious? No, Respect of persons even with his son. There's one gospel. It's got a specific content. And if somebody doesn't believe that, they're not saved. Well, I know my mother saved. I know my mother saved. You can't tell me any different. She was such a good woman. Did she believe the gospel? Better watch out. 
Are you going to protect your mother at the expense of the truth of God? If any man love mother or father, sister or brother, son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with the respect of persons. In James chapter 2, verse 20, this is the final scripture we're going to consider. And then I want to make some applications of this. But James chapter 2, verse 20, we read these words, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's not saving. Faith without works is dead. Now, I don't know how many times when I've been talking to people and I try to preach the gospel to them, they'll go straight to James chapter 2. Well, what about James chapter 2? What it says, faith without works is dead. Yeah, you've got to have faith, but you've got to have works too. Faith without works is dead. It's all by itself. That's not real. The Bible says that. Now, how do you maintain that, what you believe, in light of James chapter 2, faith without works is dead? Well, what does... What does he say? Or are you there in James chapter 2? Look here with me. James chapter 2. Verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father? Listen to the language. Justified by works. Holy Spirit inspired. Statement. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Now let's think about what took place. God said to Abraham, take now your son, your only son whom you love and offer him up as a burnt offering in a mountain I'll show thee. Now, God had promised that in that boy, in that seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The Christ was going to come through Isaac. And now, God says, slay him as a burnt offering to me. If I do that, then God's promise won't come to pass. Abraham knew God's promise would come to pass because God promised it. And he knew that even if he put his son to death, God was going to raise him from the dead. And he said before he went up the mountain, he said, I and the lad go yonder to worship and we will return again to you. He knew God would raise him from the dead because he knew that whatever God promised must come to pass. Even if Isaac is killed. Seed's still going to come through him. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he believed God. Now, what if he would have said, 
if I do that, then God's promise won't come to pass. What would he be saying? He didn't believe God. <laughs> if you think that there's any scenario under which God, what God says may not come to pass, you don't believe God. <laughs> it's that simple. Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Now faith, based upon sight, Faith that has other things that it loves more. Faith that does not persevere. Faith that arises from false views of God and false views of self and that thinks the gift of God can be bought. Faith that does not have charity. Faith that is not grounded in the resurrection. Faith that does not stand in the power of God. Faith that is feigned acted out faith with respect of persons faith without works is unsaving faith amen well what is saving faith i'm gonna give you four scriptures real briefly i could give just one i could give hundreds but these four scriptures came to my mind and i want to Nail down this thing of what is saving faith. The first one is found when the Philippian jailer asks, Sirs, to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, he knew he couldn't save himself. He was convinced of that, or he wouldn't have asked, What must I do to be saved? He, he would have been saying, What can I do to save myself? No. He knew the only way he could be saved if, if, if God would save him. What must I do to be saved? And I love the simplicity of this answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He's the Lord. And what that means is he's the one whose will is always done. That's what the lordship of Christ is. His, he willed creation. He wills everything that takes place in providence. And if you're saved, it's because he willed your salvation. He's the Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Don't you love his name, Jesus? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means Savior. That's who he is. He's the Savior. He's the Christ, God's prophet, God's priest, God's king. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Ethiopian eunuch said, what hinders me from being baptized? And that's such a good question. He'd heard of baptism. He'd heard you're supposed to confess Christ in believer's baptism. What hinder, is there, is there a reason why I shouldn't? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And here we have the clearest definition of faith I reckon you're going to find in all the word of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You believe that? 
That's faith. Faith is believing who he is. He didn't say, I believe I'm saved, or I believe I'm one of the elect, or I believe that Christ died for me. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the issue. Knowing who he is. Once you know who he is, everything else is taken care of. Romans 4, 5 says, and I love this verse, to him that worketh not. You are convinced that insofar as you are concerned, salvation by works is impossible for you. If there's one condition that you have to meet, it's over for you. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. There's your hope. You're relying on him who justifies the ungodly. Your, your hope is in the cross of Christ that he actually justified the ungodly by what he did. And there's where you're hanging your hat. You believe on him that justifies the ungodly. And the last one I want you to turn with me to, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Now, because Paul preached the gospel, he knew that bonds awaited him, beatings, whippings, imprisonment in every town he went to. Man, he was a tough man, wasn't he? <laughs> I admire thinking about this. I mean, he... He'd go into town knowing after he preached he's going to get tied to a pole and whipped with a cat of nine tails. He knew it was going to happen. Did it stop him? No. Oh, for that kind of zeal for God's glory, that, that believing the message so much that you're willing to... But the which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For... I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, the day of judgment. Now here is saving faith. I know whom everything we believe is predicated on who he is I know whom I have believed I think the best way to illustrate this is if we looked at it last week I think the thief on the cross when he said with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ this man has done nothing amiss he hadn't known him but a couple of hours. He didn't know any of his previous 33 years. He knew nothing about him up until that time. But now that he knows him, he says, I know this man had done nothing amiss. How did he know that? Because he knew who he was. If you know who he was, you know that. You know everything the thief knew. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. And the word is 
Actually, in the passive, I've been persuaded. You see, if he persuades you, you know what? You're persuaded. If he persuades you, you're persuaded. If I persuade you, you won't be persuaded. But if he does, you're persuaded. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. You're completely convinced of his ability to save you without your help. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, here's saving faith. When you have saving faith, you commit the entire salvation of your soul to him. Hands off. If he doesn't do it all, if there's anything that he doesn't do that's left for me to do, I won't be saved. I've committed the entire salvation of my soul to him. And I'm relying on him to save me. That is the faith that saves. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that we might be given saving faith in thy dear son so that we might be enabled to say with Paul, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Bless this word for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray.